Welcome to the Gaudium et Spes podcast. Every other week, we bring you Catholic teachings and stories of faith from people throughout the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee. This is the Gaudium et Spes podcast. Welcome, everyone, to our next episode of the Gaudium et Spes podcast. Um, just as a reminder, uh, tune in to Bishop Bill, who just recently covered the first five books of the Bible. Um, but today we have um, very special guests with uh, Ches and myself. Uh, we've got Matt Nee, who is the Executive Director of Catholic Charities, and Ariel May, who is an Emergency Assistant Specialist um, based out of Fort Walton Beach with Catholic Charities. Welcome, Matt and Ariel. Yeah, thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. It's great to have you here today. Well, guys, it is our patented time for the very first line, and we're going to put Matt and Ariel through the fire here and see what their highs and lows, griefs and anxieties are. So uh, join me as we look at, well, you guys can't see it, but I can. Uh, anyhow, the first line of Gaudium et Spes, which goes, the joys and the hopes, the griefs and anxieties of the men of this age, especially those who are poor or in any way afflicted. These are the joys and the hopes, the griefs and anxieties of the followers of Christ. And what a great line, especially for those folks who assist the poor and the afflicted, probably more than any other people in our diocese on a consistent basis. What's going on in your lives? Matt, we'll start with you. Yeah, well, we, we're just, you know, trying to do our best to be the hands and feet of Christ and and uh, get as much as we can into the community and, and try to help as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just an honor and privilege to to serve under the bishop in the diocese and, and to be those hands and feet and carry out the social mission of the Catholic Church uh, to help others. Thank you. Ariel, what's going on in your world? So a uh, big positive we had in the last two weeks is we were able to rehome a homeless veteran who had had been uh, retired from the military, unfortunately really struggles with PTSD, and that ended up getting him in a little bit of illegal trouble and led to homelessness. But through working with others, working with his landlord, working with uh, probation and parole, we were able to get him successfully and stably rehoused and really engaged with the services that he needs. Wow. Praise God. Forward. Yes, that's amazing. Wow. Satisfying day of work. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Well, Ches, you've been really busy lately. Yeah, it's just if, if you're a part of ministries at your parish or anything, um, diocesan lines anywhere, um, the spring in my experience tends to be a little bit more elevated than normal. So we're in the midst of Jubilee Masses and get to welcome all these amazing couples from across the diocese um, to celebrate their anniversaries. But yeah, it's a lot of detail work. It's getting names in the programs correct. And then when you mess them up, you got to redo it again. And then you mess it up again, you, you redo it again. So it's just like, <laughs> and I am not, as you probably, if, if you listen to this podcast, I'm not a detail guy. I am a talk and big picture type of guy and stuff. So yeah, anxiety is elevated this week for uh, for that. But we're excited for Jubilee Mass on Sunday, which by the time you hear this will have already passed. So I'll be much happier next time. So Suzanne, what's going on with you? Anything yeah. new? Well, you know, um, I'm trying to enjoy the retired life. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, the weather's getting nicer. So I was able to get out in the garden yesterday. And uh, I don't know, there's something extremely therapeutic about um, pulling weeds and uh, uh, planting and cutting bushes. I'm sure many of you out there can relate to that, but, uh, you know, it gives you an opportunity to just, uh, you know, sit back and de-stress, uh, reflect on all of the beauty around you, as well as all of the gifts that God has given all of us. So, yeah. 
That's what I've been doing. Is this a popular opinion that pulling weeds is therapeutic? (laughs) What say you guys? I think so. Yeah. (laughs) Instant gratification. I like to cut the grass whenever I get stressed out. Yeah. Suzanne, I would like you to give my kids a a description of why it's therapeutic. Because every time I try and get them to pull weeds, (laughs) it has got to be incentivized by some dessert or money or both. um, Yeah. But I agree. I enjoy pulling weeds. Yes. Well, I think you got to get to a certain age, I think, before you really enjoy it yeah. more than as a child. So. a certain dosage of back medication. There you to, go. <laughs> um, yeah. Absolutely. So, well, um, there's a book called Do Something Beautiful for God, and it's the teachings of Mother Teresa. And um, it's a um, daily prayer book that gives you a little saying every day from Mother Teresa. And uh, the one uh, for today that we're taping this podcast, it says, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. And I, I think that's so appropriate for having Catholic charities here today because I think a lot of what they do is exactly what Mother Teresa just talked about. So um, so we'll get to the heart of why we're here. And so let's start out with you, Matt. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself yeah. and um, how you um, became the executive director of Catholic Charities? Absolutely. And it's a it's, uh, uh Funny that you reference Mother Teresa because we use her her quotes and, and her knowledge and wisdom and just about all that we do. I mean, it's just beautiful, uh, uh, you know, different you know quotes and sayings and things that really hit home to to what we do each and every day. But I've been. Uh, how did I come to Catholic Charities? Well, you know, it's. <laughs> You know, you kind of give God the control and, and he leads you in certain directions. And, and that's kind of the, the story of how I came here. I started uh, working for uh, the diocese back when I was 16. So I've been with the diocese uh, <laughs> since I was 22 years old and uh, in different, you know, capacities. And then uh, towards the end of 2013, the beginning of 14, I got a I got a call that uh, Catholic Charities uh, needed some help. And uh, we uh so I said, sure, jumped on board and started off as the office manager, taking care of the uh, Pensacola office and our uh, Fort Walton Beach office. Uh, and then, uh, as I like to joke, they talked me into becoming the chief operating <laughs> officer. So I <laughs> happily did that. And then uh, they uh, stepped in as the executive director for Catholic Charities. So I've been the executive director since, I think, April of 2017. Wow. So, and it's just uh you know, dioceses uh, and our faith has always taken good care of me, and I try to repay the favor by by taking care of the faith and and the diocese. Wow, that's amazing, um, Ariel. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I can. So I am not originally from Northwest Florida. We moved here. My husband was stationed here at Hurlburt in Fort Walton Beach, um, and we. When I came to Catholic Charities, I had just had a baby and was fresh off of that. <laughs> um, and I've kind of worked in a number of different positions. I've kind of worked in all of our different grants, all of our different departments. And in the Fort Walton Beach office, we were restationed. We left the area for two years to go to Canaan, New Mexico. And then when we came back, um, I was messaging them. I was like, hey, I'm coming back to the area. Let me know if you have any openings. And they said, oh, perfect. You start in two weeks. <laughs> we'll give you two weeks to unpack. We'll see you Monday. Wow. <laughs> um, 
And then I, I kind of worked in a couple of different departments until the emergency um, assistance program specialist position came open. Well, that's terrific. Um, and Matt, can you just tell us a little bit more about what is the mission of Catholic Charities? Yeah, I mean, you know, the mission is very simple for us. It's to, to carry out the, uh, the, be the social arm of the Catholic Church, to serve, empower, and advocate for uh, any individual and family of any race, religion, or national origin. Um, and so what we do, like I said earlier, is just try to be the hands and feet, try to be the charity arm of, of the diocese to uh, feed the hungry, uh, clothe the naked, uh, shelter those who need sheltering. So it, it boils down to the corporal works of mercy. Um, and that's what our staff does each and every day. And, and we're very proud of that. There are, we're Catholic Charities of Northwest Florida, mm-hmm. right? Is it traditional every diocese in the country or even in the world has this own kind of dedicated social arm? Yeah, so the, uh, I think the last time I checked, there's about 160 or 170, uh, Catholic charities throughout, uh, the country. And some of the dioceses, most of the majority have a Catholic charities. Uh, some of them do not. Uh, but we are all, uh, separately incorporated, uh, agencies. And we have a kind of a, a partner, uh, national organization called, uh, Catholic Charities USA that kind of coordinates all of us. But the kind of the in the, the inside joke within Catholic charities is if you've seen one Catholic charity, you've seen one Catholic charities. They're all, <laughs> (laughs) little bit different they all offer uh different services but still with the same mission and then even internationally i've heard of things like caritas Mm -hmm. so there's even even outside of the united states it's it's normal the church has its own organizational structure for parish life ministry life priest life and stuff but then usually a separate kind of a service arm i guess you would say they do Uh, you know it's uh it's it's the calling of the church the the core of what we do is charity um you know that's that's you know is a directive from uh the pope and you know that you can't can't have the church without having charity they're 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 both tied together um and so uh yes uh, we have a lot of great organizations catholic charities catholic relief services uh, St. Vincent de Paul, uh, all of those, we, we really strive to, uh, to, to do our best to serve the community through, through our faith. Um, and, you know, Catholic Charities was founded in the United States in 1910. And so our Catholic Charities here in Northwest Florida was, uh, founded 18 years later in, in 1928. So we are one of the, wow. the oldest Catholic Charities in the United States, uh, definitely in the, in the state of Florida. Uh, but we're coming up, I think, or we're already past, uh, 94 years. So we're looking forward wow. to our 100 year, uh, anniversary. Neat. It's really exciting. Yeah, that is. So you're made up of not only, um, employees, but you also have a large cadre of volunteers. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, so what we do, uh, we, we have, uh, you know, what we pride ourselves on and why, what, you know, our funding, of course, we rely heavily on donations. We rely heavily on fundraising, but we also are able to get, uh, we have private foundations that come to us, uh, state grants, federal grants, uh, and why, why they're comfortable coming to us is because we hire professional case managers, uh, okay. professional social workers, uh, where we, uh, uh, when we're doing financial assistance or we're doing adoptions, uh, we make sure that we're fully vetting the families, that we have professional staff that are, are administering funds uh, correctly. Because the last mm-hmm. thing you want to do is, you know, give out, uh, you know, everybody's deserving. But sometimes, you know, you want to make sure that you're what we say, you know, the most in need, the most vulnerable are, are the are the populations that we are we are looking for. Very good. And Ariel, what exactly does an emergency assistance specialist do? So I oversee our emergency assistance kind of umbrella in Fort Walton Beach, 
What's covered under that umbrella is our food pantry, our mobile food pantry, which is called the Caring Coach. And then it's also our financial assistance, which is where we try to assist families with past due rent, past due utilities. If they have something where, you know, they've experienced homelessness, we're going to try to rehouse them. And that can be help with the initial deposits, first month's rent, last month's rent, to try to break that cycle of homelessness. Yeah. Not what we do. It's not just about paying somebody's rent. It's, it's ensuring mm-hmm. that they don't get back into that situation. Mm-hmm. So the easiest part is, is cutting the check. The hardest right. part is making sure that that family is signed up for every uh, benefit that they could be receiving. They have the tools and resources. We go through budgeting. Uh, we go through financial literacy with them. Uh, you know, different predatory lenders. I mean, it's a, it's it, the, the actual checks, a small part of what we do. And it's also advocating for these families. So a lot of what Ariel and her mm-hmm. team have to do is reach out to landlords, build those relationships mm-hmm. uh, with landlords, uh, because a lot of the individuals we're serving have, you know, e- past evictions. And, and you know, as we know, we're, you know, in a pretty major housing crisis right now. And so uh, it's a lot of advocacy um, that they do for their clients. You mentioned you say kind of we're in the midst of a major, major housing crisis. And I th- think you mentioned the mobile food pantry and we hear, I think a lot of people hear statistics about food insecurity or, but it's just in our day-to-day lives, most people are like, well, most of my friends and family members seem fine and stuff like that. And uh, some people like we're in the richest country in the world. Right. Right. I mean like the most resources available and stuff like that. You guys though see this on a day-to-day basis. Like is the need small is it ginormous? Is it just kind of hidden behind the scenes and we don't really see what's going on? Or if you could speak into that a little bit. So I do think that it's hidden. And I think that a lot of people are like, oh, my my friends, my family, my coworkers, people I know, they're fine. But you don't always know that because it is our friends, our neighbors that are coming to a, our food pantry in Fort Walton, our physical location, but that are also coming to our caring coaches where we have those in areas that are considered food deserts. Mm. So they don't have a, a large amount of food pantries nearby. Like Fort Walton has our food pantry. They have sharing and caring, and they have another food pantry. But Crestview on the north end of the county, and Baker, mm. those places don't necessarily have the resources that you think about in the south end mm-hmm. of the county. So there's not four grocery stores on every corner in every part of the world. <laughs> I mean, this is a bit selfish. I grew up in suburbia. It was like anywhere I turned, I could go buy food anywhere. And right. it was relatively affordable according to my family's budget. Yeah. That's not everybody's reality. Well, no. and food is one of the hardest people, you know, people have the hardest time asking for food because it's so, you would think it's such a basic necessity, but you know, we do, we see the, the we see the people, uh, the homeless out there that, that are right in front of our faces, but there's a whole other population of homeless individuals that we don't see, you know, the single mother living in her car with her kids, um, in the Walmart parking lot because she's worried, uh, the, you know, department of children and families is going to find out and her right. kids are going to be removed. So there is a whole other hidden, uh, population of homeless individuals, people that are couch surfing, staying at friends' houses. And that's a lot of the individuals that we see coming mm-hmm. to us, um, to, to do that. But our food pantry, I think, uh, you know, anywhere from in a given year, it'll serve between 30 to 50,000 individuals in wow. a single year, just out yeah, of Fort Walton gosh. beach. 
And on top of that, they do a sandwich program as yes. well. Uh, so we do sack lunches uh, for, for individuals, and there's really no stipulations. They can come in and get as many sandwiches as they like. So we like to say, you know, anybody that's around our food pantry has no excuse to be hungry. We'll come in and we'll, we'll feed you. And that was one of the reasons why the mobile food pantry started was mm-hmm. because you know, if you can't afford a bag of food, you can't afford a tank of gas to drive 45 minutes to come to our food pantry. So we're going to come to you. And so that's what we do. Yeah, yeah. that's incredible. Um, so obviously you also um, service, um, you know, other places within Northwest Florida. Where else are there food pantries available? Absolutely. So we cover the full 18 counties across Northwest Florida. Mm-hmm. So from Pensacola all the way past uh, Tallahassee. Uh, so we have food pantries in uh, Fort Walton Beach. We have a food pantry in Panama City uh, that also has a caring coach program that gets out to the rural counties and areas around Bay County. Uh, and then we have a food pantry in Tallahassee as okay. well. Great. Can anyone just um, donate, drop off things. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Okay. We, we rely heavily on, on food donations mm-hmm. and monetary donations. Uh, we are very strict when we receive a monetary donation that's earmarked for the food pantry. A hundred percent of that funds goes, goes towards our food pantries. Great. That's uh, yeah. Take us. So we've got Catholic charities, big wide network do emergency assistance, food, food, de- uh, uh, insecure housing. What else do you guys do? What else is on the, on the, <laughs> we do a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, so as, as we like Ariel said, we look at it as umbrella EA is definitely our biggest program and, and definitely most needed with the, with the pandemic and everything. Yeah. Emergency assistance. Yes. Easy with the acronyms. <laughs> I will drop so many acronyms. We need a, we actually have an acronym book to, to decipher all of our acronyms. So our financial emergency assistance program, uh, of course, helps with rent, utilities, mortgages, uh, life-sustaining medication. Uh, we're able to do little things on the side. You know, we've gotten AC units for for individuals and heaters and oh, stuff wow. like that. Um, but we also do our food pantry, so that falls under the emergency assistance program. Uh, we do our con- Christmas connection uh, program, which a lot of the community is uh, is very familiar with. Uh, that we rely heavily on the community. And actually, we had our our large emergency assistance staff meeting uh, yesterday, where we go through our goals and our outcomes and stuff like that. And I think we serve close, close to 4,700 individuals through Christmas connection wow. uh, this Christmas. So thank you to the community. That was one of our biggest years ever. And it was just fantastic. Uh, we have a transitional shelter family shelter in Panama city called the St. Barnabas house, okay. uh, which is a, a great program. Uh, what else do we do with disaster assistance? Matthew's nursery, Matthew's nursery, which is our baby pantry, which started in Panama city, but now we have one in each of our uh, locations and it gives out uh, layettes or what we lo- lovingly call a baby starter kit to new and expectant <laughs> mothers, um, and it has you know diapers and uh, wipes and pa- I mean everything. It's a it's a great starter kit and spoon. So not just the starter spoons, cups. When we have those kind of things too, like. Yeah. A- and then, uh, of course, after Hurricane Michael, we did disaster assistance and after Hurricane Sally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're coming up on close to 600 major home repair projects after uh, Hurricane Michael. Right. And that includes roof, drywall, flooring, uh, I mean, just major, major jobs. Uh, we did distribution right after that, five distribution points. The largest one, uh, St. Dominic's, uh, served 89,000 individuals mm-hmm. in 49 days. 
Uh, we coordinated, I think it was 2,300 volunteers who logged 24,000 volunteer hours, and an estimated about half million hot meals were served out of out of those distribution sites, yeah. and that all happened in 49 days. But then the long-term recovery took over. So then what we do also, we're, we have been doing uh, child placements or adoptions since okay. 1954. Uh, we actually have a staff member that was adopted through our agency wow. years ago, and now it uh, no works way. with yeah. us. Yeah. yeah, it's a really neat story. Um, and she doesn't mind us sharing that. And, and so, uh, and so that we, adopt pregnancy and adoption is one of our core mission programs. Of course, we always advocate for life and choosing life. Um, and the uh, adoption program is licensed through DCF, Department of Children and Families, so we can do uh, home studies, we do child placements. Uh, one of the neatest things we, we're doing are non-identifying searches, uh, uh, you know, a, a birth mom looking, reaching out, looking for uh, a child that she placed with us or vice versa. Oh, wow. And uh, there's a lot of beautiful stories that come out of that, some sad stories, but also a lot of beautiful stories that come, come out of that. Uh, we also do immigration and refugee services, uh, so we do uh, help people become uh, documented citizens of the United States the correct and ethical way. Uh, all of our uh, social workers or, or case managers are uh, accredited through the Department of Justice, and okay. so we uh, we help them fill out uh, the necessary paperwork, build a case for them, submit that to the Department of Justice as well as Homeland Security, uh, and we get a lot of uh, uh, great stories from that too. I think we're able to approve applications is how we refer to it. That's when somebody says, "Okay, you know, you get to go through your uh, right." You know, get to become a documented citizen uh, wow. we'll get notices anywhere from 800 of those to 1200 a year so and then of course we do refugee resettlement which is uh, uh helping people that have been persecuted overseas uh bring them over here so that they have a safe place uh to live so they're not being persecuted um and the big topic has been the uh afghanistan refugees mm -hmm. or the uh, the special immigrants Just the, recent months, right? yeah. it, it, the recent months right the recent months and so we've been been able to resettle i think about a, uh anywhere from 10 to 15 of those families uh, that were helped our government overseas and their lives became uh, in danger because right. of that. And that is a lot of case management that goes through that. Right. We're, we we assist them through our contract for three months, but of course it goes, we form lifelong relationships with them and help them out as long as we can. But we have to uh, find housing, have to find jobs, have to, if they don't speak English, we have to sign them up for English as a second language, get them signed up for public benefits, get their kids enrolled in school. Mm. So it is a it, it's a wonderful program, but very very large. So. Did I does miss any, anything? Does here? anybody sleep at Catholic Church? <laughs> yeah. no. just like just the the, the scope. I, I remember being introduced to the scope. You mentioned adoption uh, ten years ago when my wife and I lived in Northern Virginia. Mm -hmm. She was actually um, a home study specialist for Catholic Charities of uh, mm -hmm. Northern Virginia Diocese of Arlington, Northern Virginia, and. Uh, it was, she, she mentioned going to like the Catholic Charities gatherings of the entire staff, and mm -hmm. there was just and she, she had her little office with I think seven or eight people who were mostly all in, all just adoption specialists, and then the scope of the entire reach of Catholic Charities up there, especially in the large metro area, was just like it blew her mind, it blew my mind. Um, but yeah, I mean just just if you think that Catholic Charities is just about like putting a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in a bag and handing it out after a hurricane, it's like. It's the numbers you're mentioning, the scope, the details are just kind of mind numbing in a, in a sense. Um, yeah, there are uh, uh, the Catholic charities out there and I, I don't know all the, the, the statistics, but there are certain Catholic charities that have upwards of, of 
4,000 uh, employees that mm-hmm. work at their Catholic charities. And we kind of joke internally that, you know, Catholic Charities is uh, the best kept, kept nonprofit secret. But when you look at the, the numbers, when we combine our numbers, we are definitely, if not uh, the largest, but one of the largest nonprofits uh, throughout the country. I think last year, Catholic Charities, our agency gave out a little over or close to $2.2 million in direct financial assistance. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't include any of our in-kind services, like all the food going out or Matthew's right. Nursery or the Christmas gifts. That's just straight financial assistance going out to the back into Northwest Florida. Uh, but when you look at it as a country, it's, a, you know, it's all, I think it's a couple billion dollars of wow. what the Catholic Charities across the nation uh, is able to distribute back into our country. Mm. Very nice. Um, do you work with other nonprofit agencies within our area to do execute your mission? I've been talking too much. (laughs) Yes, always. That's a a really, you know, we talked about advocacy being a core part of it. I would think another core part of it is just resources, Mm -hmm. making sure that we have all the resources and that we have a contact at those resources that we're able to kind of touch base with and say, you know, Hey, let me give you this warm handoff so this person doesn't get kind of lost in the shuffle. So I think that's something that all of across Northwest Florida, all of our offices do really well. You know, we have really good relationships with the other charities and nonprofits and churches that are in our specific areas. There's not one agency that can do it alone. And we rely mm-hmm. heavily on partnerships and, and, you know, we get, we reach out and we, we get reached out to a lot on, you know, we, we can do this, but we're falling short on this. Can y'all, can y'all help with this? So we, uh, we, like I said, we, we rely heavily on partnerships. It's key. Yeah. Great. Well, and I've also seen that not only do you help people in our area, but you also coordinate efforts, um, in our, you know, surrounding, um, you know, counties and areas and stuff for, especially like hurricane relief. You know, we, we always try to give back. And, you know, after Michael, after Sally, we had so many great organizations that came to us. I mean, the, after Michael, the, the outpouring of, of the country was just un, unbelievable. Um, it is just amazing. And so when we ever have the opportunity, uh, we, we like to give back and repay favors. And, and so, uh, so yes, we're, we're able to quickly coordinate and, you know, uh, get, get supplies to other areas and everything like that. Yeah. I love that. I, you know, it's, it's more than just us. It's, it's about everybody. It's about helping as many people as we can. So yeah, the, the development of partnerships, but I got a little glimpse into it after Michael just being in the St. Dominic parking lot. And, and, and so that, that, that wasn't just a Catholic, Catholic charities operation or was it just a Catholic charities operation? Uh, you know, we never, we always right. say we're kind of behind the scenes. Right. I would say that we're kind of the catalyst to, to get it started. And, right. and, you know, even with the caring coach, we really like the volunteers that come to us that to, to take ownership of it, to, right. to, you know, we can give our tips and, and directions and, you know, get what we need from it, but we want them to feel really involved. So, you know, the, the distribution sites, all of them, including St. Dominic's, you know, we, you know, it was, it was the day after saying, Hey, do you guys want to do a little bit of distribution? And that little bit turned into a, uh, you know, kind of field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. And sure enough, people came. So you probably see that all the time in your work is the a need presents itself. And then you just have people who are driven or called or both from all different directions kind of come and meet that need. Mm-hmm. And you kind of figure out the details and the administration sometimes along the way on the fly, um, always doing your due, 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 due diligence. But this partnership work between private entities, between nonprofits, between government and private and stuff like that, 
Like if we didn't have this cooperation or collaboration, needs would not get met. Yeah, you got to be fluid. I mean, like you said, you got to have your policies and procedures, and you know, have your have your blueprint of of what you're going to do. But every you know, every storm is different, every need is different, and you got to be able to to be flexible and and um, meet those needs. And and we call it God things, is what we say. You know, we'll we'll be talking about you know this client needs a house or you know yeah. needs a you know doesn't you know needs a travel trailer because their home is being worked on, and and it's like the next day somebody will call with the, you know saying, hey, I have a travel trailer that mm. you know that you might need or, you know, the food pantry is running low and we'll have a school call and, you know, they were doing a food drive that we didn't know about. And, and, you know, it's just such, such blessings that come to us all the time. Here, I wanted to ask you real quick, your mom, right? Mm -hmm. Mom of three, three, three. So your work, as you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that you resettled this homeless veteran, Mm -hmm. probably an older gentleman or middle-aged gentleman. Yes. Okay. I th- Forties. I, okay. Yeah. I think that's a lot. I think when I when I was a kid or when I was a young adult or a teenager or stuff, that was like, who needs assistance? It's usually that kind of like, it's like maybe a grizzled person, you know, like mm-hmm. seeing the rougher side of life or something like that. But I'm assuming as a mom of three, you probably see like like for like moms in their twenties, thirties, young kids, yes, all the time. Yes. I describe the impact that, that has on you, or so I think. For me, it's something where I can kind of see, like, this is my counterpart, mm-hmm. you know? I can see myself in this mom who's just, she's just trying to do her best for these children. She's trying to connect to resources. She's just looking for someone to help. Um, so for me, it's really big and important for me to, you know, personally to be like, okay, I can help you. Like you're not doing this alone. No, no man is an island kind right. of idea. Parenting's lonely enough as it <laughs> yes, is sometimes, yes. even when you have like a big support system. And I, I just, I can't imagine if I didn't have my in-laws, my parents, my friends, a stable community, a stable job. Like I don't, I feel like I was drowning every day. You know, I don't, um, I don't know if you get to speak to people more in depth about how they're feeling and trying to give them a little kind of shot in the arm and a sense of hope or something. But man, um, hmm. Yeah, and that's something that I, especially when they come in and they're, they're like, almost, you know, I think Matt touched on it earlier, that food being one of the hardest things to ask for. And I think especially for um, moms and dads, too. I see dads, too, come in. And it's really hard to say, like, do you have any baby formula? Mm-hmm. You know, I can't feed my baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but baby formula is expensive. Right. Um, and baby food is, it can be pricey too. So it's kind of to taking away that stigma, like that it's okay to reach out to us and to, to ask for help, but also to accept the help that it doesn't speak negatively to your parenting. If anything, it's a positive Mm -hmm. and it's something that, something that I talk to a lot about parents is this is a positive and you're teaching your child like to reach out to others to accept help when they need it. And, you know, that's only going to make them a more well-rounded person. So it's not one of those jobs or ministries where you pack up at the end of the day and you go home and you don't think about it. The Mm, stories that stick with you, you know, we have to be very careful with, uh, uh, what we call carrying fatigue with the staff burnout, um, because, you know, every call that they get, every, uh, issue, you know, it's a crisis and, and it's, they're hard stories. Um, some of them are, are, Heartbreaking. You don't. You don't. Uh, you don't ever forget them. Mm. Wow. Wow. Mm. 
Well, what are some of the biggest challenges that you're currently facing? <sighs> biggest challenges. <laughs> I would say Ariel, but that wouldn't be very nice. <laughs> Depends on the day. <laughs> uh, no, we have a great team at Catholic Charities, and we all back each other up. Um, it, you know, it, what made what's what's challenging for us is when we're not able to come together as a team uh, mm-hmm. because of the pandemic. Uh, you know, yeah. with uh, mm-hmm. you know not being able to pull the team together for an all staff meeting because we're worried about. Uh, you know, cross contaminating and have the whole staff get sick, which wouldn't be doing a, a service for our community. Uh, you know, we had one of our first in-person uh, big EA staff meetings yesterday. And so that was great just to see the staff interacting with each other and, and things like that. Uh, but, you know, it's it's not an easy job. It is very stressful. It's stressful on the staff. It's stressful uh, from the from the highest level down to the lowest level. Uh, every phone call we get is an emergency. Our, I always say our admin staff, our front desk staff have the hardest job in the organization, and they are just so caring. We actually we call them directors of first impressions. Um, so, uh, you know, they're just so caring with those individuals on the phone, and their phone is lit up like a Christmas tree because mm-hmm. there's 10 other people trying to get wow. through mm-hmm. with their story and their heartache. And, um, so, you know, and the grants are always changing, uh, you know, there's all, you know, there's never enough money to serve, you know, anybody. I think I said, you know, we gave out, you know, over $2 million last year, but that's just, you know, a drop in the bucket of what's needed in our community. So, um, it's challenging. It's, it's, it's a very rewarding job, but at the same time, it can be very stressful and, and, you know, no, no good deed goes unpunished as as they say, (laughs) you you try to do your best, uh, and, uh, serve as many people as possible. Yeah, and I would say that, and I I think the lingering effects of uh, COVID-19, because we're still seeing people that are coming to us that have been laid off and haven't been able to return to work, or that now they've gotten it twice and they're having to quarantine again, and now it's not paid quarantine, and they're just trying to get back to a normal, and we're seeing a lot of, of burnout just individuals that come and ask for help because it's like, I've been trying to get through this. I'm, uh, you know, they, where's the end? Yeah, I think so. I think a statistic is that sixty percent of the state of Florida lives paycheck to paycheck. That wow. and so, you know, what people don't think about is, you know, you have sick time, you have vacation time. A lot of us do. Um, but what if you don't have that? What if your child, uh, you know, their daycare gets shut down about, mm-hmm. by no fault of their own or the parent gets sick and they miss a week of work? I mean, that throws them into turmoil. And, and we saw that before. What if their car broke down? What if they had an unexpected medical expense? And so, you know, we always validate the emergency assistance need. Um, they have to have some sort of, you know, whether it's health or medical or, but we also look at, you know, uh, they had major car repairs or they had, uh, an unexpected death and funeral expenses and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, uh, it's always been there, but COVID just ag- exacerbated that, um, severely. Yeah. yeah. Like even you think about sick time, you think about vacation time, but what if you have three kids in different schools yep. mm-hmm. and then each has to quarantine and then, you yep. know, what if one shuts down, then maybe you've already used your sick time, vacation time. You know, there's no, like, child school class shutdown time. Yeah. <laughs> um, as bad as COVID's been, and it's it's been tragic, it's been annoying, it's been frustrating, mm-hmm. it's been everything. It has been helpful to mm-hmm. me personally to realize just how, in some cases, tenuous the link of 
daily existences and just my like exactly it's like i rely on my school for my like the school for my kids being open mm-hmm. that like i have to to in order to like function as a family like kids have to go somewhere at some point during the day um i rely on i rely on our nation's infrastructure to deliver food to my local non-food desert area and something like the link gets exposed. It's like maybe it's a little, maybe it's a little more tenuous than you thought it was, and mm-hmm. maybe maybe just like the the, the paycheck to pay, paycheck to paycheck living. Sixty um, percent of the state of Florida already kind of experienced this, and I think for me it was, and I think a lot of other people was kind of like, oh, the veil the the, the, the veil is thin to pierce between kind of like feeling insecure, yeah. feeling nervous, feeling like I don't have my life is kind of just wrapped up for the rest of you know I just have to keep doing my job and everything's going to take care of itself. It's like. That's not how most people live, you know, like life just doesn't just take care of itself, you know, in perpetuity. Well, um, the community has been so gracious, too, and just so giving through, yeah. through all of this as well. Mm-hmm. We were, you know, very nervous of what was going to happen. We had to cancel, you know, major fundraising events and in-person events and uh, just the outpouring from the community. And I think if there was one positive from uh, from COVID, it really, you know, made us reassess uh, what's important to us. Our, mm-hmm. our you know, family's important. Health is important. Um, but giving back to others is very important too. It really got uh, the the issues that have always been there for years the the food insecurity, you know, um, paycheck to paycheck. It really put in the forefront like how many people out there right. are right on the brink. I mean, missing one day of work can can really mess up your whole budget, your whole month, and and throw you off on everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, how there is a need. There continues to need. There will always be a need. How can um, we, as the average layperson or uh, an organization out there, how can we help you? I think first off, you know, our, our staff does such a great job, and we have a wonderful team. So, uh, you know, just keep them in your prayers. Mm-hmm. They, they go through a lot. They work very hard for our organization. So any prayers are always welcome. Uh, we, we rely heavily on volunteers at a lot of our offices. So, I mean, please visit our website. It's uh, ccnwfl.org. So CatholicCharitiesNorthwestFlorida.org, you know, uh, keep an uh, up, update on that. Keep an update on our uh, Facebook, you know, help us like and share stuff. Uh, you know, food donations are, are always welcomed and, and monetary donations. Mm-hmm. We, we pride ourselves on being great stewards of, of, of every donation that we receive and pride ourselves on thanking every donor uh, that gives to us. And so, uh, you know, we, we do our best to uh, serve the community, but we can't do what we do without uh, the community. I mean, it is, you know, our donors are, are, are the key to what we do. Sure. So that, that would be my suggestion. Yeah. I know for our office specifically, we always encourage people to come by and see what we're doing because there's so many different volunteer opportunities that, you know, if you're thinking, oh, I want to volunteer, but I don't really know what I would do. We always love to show you like different ways, you know, to come and help and help where your comfort level is at and where your heart is at. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah, I, I, folks, if you're if you're in your parishes and you're just like, I just don't, I don't fit in this ministry, or I don't know if I can help out here. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people they know Catholic Charities exists, but they don't know that they can get involved. They know like they know they can get involved with Saint Vincent de Paul mm-hmm. at their parish a lot of time, but like, yeah, I mean, like we're everywhere in all 18 counties. There's we'll, We'll put your hands to the plow somewhere if you if you're willing, um, and all all types of skills I'm assuming are are welcome. Absolutely, soft skills, soft skills. You know, we need you know we uh, 
we need help with everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's a, there's administrative work, there's boots on the ground work, there's um, uh, just a number of things that people can do. So offices where we have the food pantries out are a little bit easier to mm-hmm. kind of start off. Uh, Pensacola office, you know, because that houses our immigration and our emergency assistance. We don't have a food pantry in the uh, Pensacola office, uh, but it is, you know, it is, uh, you know, we always need help there as well. Certainly. And want to dispel the myth that you only help Catholics or that only Catholics can <laughs> yeah. volunteer. Yeah. The, and that is incorrect. Yeah. The biggest, <laughs> biggest misconception about Catholic charities is you have to be Catholic to work at Catholic charities mm-hmm. or you're Catholic to be served by Catholic charities. And it's the complete opposite. Uh, you know, each year on average, 90% of the people we serve are non-Catholic. Uh, okay. You know, we like to say we don't serve people because they're Catholic. We serve people because we're Catholic. Right. Um, and so, and a lot of our staff that work with us, they, you know, they, believe in Christ, they believe, you know, in God and, and they're good Christians, but they're not Catholic. And, and we're fine with that because like Ariel said, we have all walks of life that come to our offices. And, and so we try to, you know, pair people with an individual that they're a case manager that they would be comfortable with, Mm -hmm. you know? And so we we really try to, you know, meet their needs on, on basic levels. And, And that first, that first level is the relationship. That's our 18 counties. If you decided to only serve Catholics or only, I mean, it is a 90-10 breakdown or 95-5 breakdown. I don't know where you would be exactly if you were like, no, we're, we're only serving the Catholics today. It's like, yes. Yeah. No. You, <laughs> you open up the doors a little bit more? Um, awesome. Yeah. yeah, it is awesome. Gosh, Matt and Ariel, what a pleasure to have you guys here with us today. Well, we I can't mean, thank you all enough for allowing yeah, to do thank this. thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So don't forget www w.ccnwfl.com correct org. 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 org sorry so we always Darn. say catholic charities in northwest florida.org so ccnwfl.org very good they invented this thing called google you can just look this up <laughs> google, we also derek our producer behind the scenes i'm sure you could throw a little text on the bottom uh, oh. if you're watching on youtube or something like that and if you're listening to only audio version just just you just hit the 15 second back button a couple yeah. times <laughs> we'll get it very good right. okay well great well thank you all for uh, joining us again today uh, and uh, stay tuned uh, for our next episode which will have Bishop Walk continue his Bible series by talking about the prophets so have a great day thank you for tuning in today to the Gaudium et Spes podcast if you would like to know more about our podcast please visit gaudiumetspes.net or go to ptdiocese.org and click the button that says podcast. If you listen to the audio version from an app such as iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, be sure and rate, review, and comment. If you watched us on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe or leave us a comment there as well. Thank you for joining us.